Welcome back to Voices of Construction, guys and gals. How are you? This is Noah Baker bringing you Angela Highland. Actually, typically I record these intros a day or two after the uh, the recording, but I'm, I'm recording this right after talking to Angela just because I'm so excited about this conversation. Angela Highland is, is an amazing woman in the industry. She's worked from administrative work within a subcontracting company to owning her own subcontracting and trade firm, all the way to being a chair of NAWIC and, and a chapter president and things of that nature. Right now, she's working as a project manager with Iron Rock uh, Commercial Construction, has her own podcast as well. So you'll hear in here um, her podcast and her experience with it. So I encourage you to go listen to that. Really, we talk about women in construction. We talk about the the ideas that, that people have in their head about women in construction. We talk about the successes that NAWIC has had influencing women in construction, um, women in construction historically and where they are at now. Just really great conversation. I believe that all the advice she brings to you through this recording is not only for women in construction, but can be taken in and used for everyone out there Um, between staying level-headed and getting collaboration from your trades and respecting each other on and in the field. I just think the advice she has for young people, for women, for men, for everyone out there is super valuable. So I will let you um, listen with that in mind and I hope you really enjoy this one. I know I had a blast recording it. Um, Make sure to check her podcast out and support this community. But with that, Here's Angela on Voices of Construction. Thanks again. So for everyone uh, jumping in and listening, we have Angela Highland um, on the mic, the lovely host of uh, Build, Lead, Succeed. And and how are you, Angela? I'm great, Noah. How are you? I'm doing well. The week is coming to an end. I have concerts and fun things planned throughout my weekend, so I, I can't complain, but we've been swamped over here at TouchPlan, so it's just one thing after another. So for everyone who doesn't know who you are and, and to hear it from, from yourself, I know you've, you've been in the industry, you've done consulting, you've done coaching and counseling and, and big part of you know um, highlighting women in construction uh, across the industry. So tell us a little about kind of your journey. I mean, we don't have to start from high school or anything, but, um, you know, how you got to where you are and, and all of that. Well, um, I guess we can go back about 18 years ago, but we don't have to do a blow by blow. I've been in the construction industry 18 years. Um, I started out Um, I had actually left a job and decided I was going to go help small businesses do some consulting. I ended up working for a sign manufacturer who, uh, at the very time I came on to do some consulting work, they had lost their longtime administrator and they asked me to stay on and help them. And I did. And they worked in the commercial end of signage and construction, did a lot of architectural stuff. And next thing I know, I became a project manager for them. And I was really fascinated at how construction worked from the specialty side. And um, through helping customers, I found out there was a need. I went to the owner of the sign company and said, people keep asking me for these specialty items that you don't carry. So who carries them? And he said, oh, that's a really hard thing to get a hold of. Hey, by the way, you'd be really good at that. You could start your own company and get certified as a WBE. And so I went away from that meeting and researched it. And six months later, I opened up my own specialties subcontracting company. That was in 2008 when, or 2006 when that started. And then I grew it organically. I had that for 12 years, sold it. I was approached by another subcontracting company. Um, One of the reasons why I decided to sell it was because along the way, um, I had joined NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction, and I just saw so many women that were looking for professional development and um, all of these women supporting each other in their 
uh, was a need there for mentoring. And so I just do dove right in and decided that's really what I want to do. I really want to help these women. So I got certified to be a professional coach, sold my company, uh, and then um, was actually asked by another friend of mine to come and do some consulting for her subcontracting company. I was there for over a year and then kind of went into doing more of the professional development for women. Uh, and then COVID came along and squashed that little dream, <laughs> at Showed least temporarily. <laughs> yes. And so uh, I had to go back into the world of work and through my great connections and relationships, I got a job in two weeks as a project manager for a general contractor. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm also doing coaching and getting some things going over there, but yeah, so here I am and, and back into the industry that I really do love and coming at it from a different angle, which is kind of interesting, going from the subcontractor side to the GC side, uh, but it's all good. I'm really, I'm enjoying the process. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot there um, to talk about. I'm, I'm sure whenever you get on something like this, the, the prime topic is is women in construction, um, but I I don't I don't want to harp on that unless you want to because I, I feel like it's something that you may have to talk about and I know you have different interests as well. Um, but just just in that realm, you know, in this in this podcast and and just to give you a little more of a background, I I started this to to speak to people that have been you know. They have a misconceived notion of what construction professionals are like, what they actually do, who they are, what they do every day. Um, so with that said, I think we can kind of kick it off in the sense that, you know, jumping into speaking to and interacting with women construction. And, and I know you do a lot of kind of young people and youth work and expressing what that means to them. What have you seen as the, the largest misconception? And we can start with the largest and go where we go, but the largest mis kind of um, construed idea about women working in construction, women dealing with the, the industry as a whole. Oh my goodness. Well, there is a few, that's a really good question. Um, one is that there's not a lot of women on the job site um, or that, they don't belong on the job site. That's always a big one that they're not strong enough to work on the job site or they aren't trained in the trades, um, which if you look around lately, there's a lot more women getting into the trades. Um, but the thought that for some reason we don't belong there, you do run into that a little bit. I, I've never run into somebody telling me I don't belong. I have run into, especially this past uh, six months, a lot of people surprised that I'm in the position that I am, which shocks me. I, I just, I never dealt with it before on the subcontracting side, but those, that would probably be one of the biggest ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Just the, and, and when you speak to, I guess that that's definitely an issue that I see. One thing I find very interesting is that there's a huge wage gap in, between males and females across all industries. And in yeah. fact, in our construction industry, that gap is much smaller than say in entertainment or hospitality or something of that nature. And I think that's something to, to highlight for me in the sense that there is a massive sense of inequality in terms of like your purpose and why are you there and all those silly things. but in reality, when these these wonderful women are trained and just like anyone else, that discrepancy in wage is actually far, far less than we see in other industries. Have you kind of come across that or is that something that you you try to highlight when when talking to women that are trying to get into construction? I think you're correct about the discrepancy being smaller in this industry. I've seen that. But what I see is a lot of women that don't advocate for themselves in this industry. We're already coming in feeling, okay, well, this is a male populated industry. 
And maybe we're a little insecure about that. And we're trying to figure out how we fit in. Uh, how do we get respect? How do we get treated as equals at the table when we're sitting there? So a lot of women get quiet. And maybe when they are getting hired, they're just happy to get that job or get that promotion. They don't go through that extra step of saying, well, wait a minute, you know, I want to get paid this. Whereas, right. uh, you know, a lot of men might walk in and know exactly, they have no problem asking for what they want. Women might shy away from that a little bit. So I do see that. Yeah, and, and kind of in terms of that, I guess, historical um, gap in, in women in construction. And 25 years ago, we, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, even though, you know, women were still working in trades and building Empire State buildings and go down in history as the most intelligent, badass women. Um, but when, when it comes to that, I mean, do you see, I guess, the relative experience or the historical experience that's transferred very commonly between, you know, the the OGs or the the more veteran male employees that pass it down to their sons and unions, and it's been going on for decades and generations. Do you see that in, enabling or empowering um, that conversation with women in construction, where it's just historically not there and is something that has to be built from the ground up? I think that we are seeing it in action right now. Because you're right, we don't have that those historical conversations going back where that's passed down. But where it is starting to really seep in throughout is in some of these associations where women are able to help each other find that voice and pass down that institutional knowledge. Uh, that's one of the things that I've always loved about being in NAWIC is because that's exactly what they do. They're always educational classes to get women up to speed. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go to college to have a good career. I have no college degree. I didn't take one day of college. So I think women are willing to do whatever and they're not afraid to ask for help. Uh, so, you know, they seek out people that, you know, they can al align themselves with and get that information. I know when I stepped into this GC role, I was very nervous about, it's like, I've never, this is a totally different angle. I don't know how to construct a building. I mean, I know the basics, but I've never physically worked in the trades. Um, luckily, my boss, I work for Iron Rock uh, con uh, Commercial Construction in Orlando, and they were great. They're like, listen, just ask questions. We'll take, and I do, I ask a ton of questions. They gave me this job. I've, I'm working on the job every day and I'm bugging everybody. And I tell them, tell me how that works sit with me and explain this to me because I can read plans like the back of my hand, but I might not necessarily know how the mechanical stuff works. And I find that if you just ask, people love to offer information. Men love to tell us how, uh, how it's going to get done. And I'm all, for, I'm glad to have smart it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, tell me how this fits into that and how that, you know, HVAC unit works. That's interesting to me. So it's just a matter of loving what you do and asking the right questions and being open to receive that as well. Yeah, yeah. that's part of it. And I mean, that's that's the song we sing at TouchPlan all day is is that open communication, whether you're, you know, a trade, a GC, male, female, purple, orange, you know, whatever it may be, um, is that, that the empowerment of collaboration, asking questions, being open to the answers really makes the job go better either way right um, oh absolutely it, absolutely it is interesting to to kind of think about the 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 building aspects and the the help from people like nawick to to build that foundation of like historical progression and, and knowledge transfer because it's something that we we hear about you know as well as i do right every you know more veteran employee on a job site wants to talk about everything they've done and how they passed it on to their son and they heard it from their grandfather and so on and so forth. So that was one thing I, I was really interested in. Um, and kind of moving on from there, you've worked in so many different 
um, realms and with the trades, with GCs, consulting, coaching, um, you know, with different organizations like Nayway. What what's the I guess the biggest we, we talk a lot about the the discrepancies and, and misconceptions from one to the other. A GC thinks this about trade contractors, trade contractors think about this with GCs and so on and so forth. Being being part of all of those worlds, like where do you see the gaps? Where do you see the, the empowerment? Where where are you kind of seeing the, the disconnects, I guess? Really in the communication, you know, it is very different coming at it from a subcontractor versus a GC. I find myself being very protective over my subs on my job because I know what they're dealing with and I want them to know that I've got their back. And whenever I let them know and I'm there for them and I vouch for them on certain things, you know, between the owner and certain wishes that the owner might have um, and, and they want to maybe push something onto a sub that's not doing something right or, you know, nowadays we have material delays and cost overruns just because of how the market is right now. I stand up for my subs and they really appreciate that. And it creates a team environment. And if I need them to step up in a particular way, okay, guys, we're going to have to work tomorrow on Saturday because we got to meet this deadline. They're glad to do it because we have been fostering that environment all along. But I know that that doesn't always work that way, right? If you don't have that kind of communication and the GC doesn't support their subs like that, it's just, it can be a bump and grind all the time. So that's one thing. Um, And then I also think like, for example, my superintendent that I have, he was kind of new coming in, he was a Mason. Uh, and he came in uh, as a superintendent. He was really good. So we wanted to give him the opportunity. So I've actually been able to have the opportunity to coach him a little bit about how to show up on the job site. You know, he might he might go out and if some one of the subs rubs him the wrong way, he might get a little heated and a little emotional and maybe a little too passionate. So it gives me the opportunity to say, okay, take a deep breath and kind of coach him through that and remind him that he is the leader on the job site. He's the point man. And if he's losing control, then everybody else is gonna lose control. So I have found some really nice uh, crossovers with all of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what what I've seen is, and it's interesting as well, is, is speaking to people that are very kind of command and control and very like, what do you do after yelling at a trade contractor? Well, I yell some more until it's done, right? like well how does that work for you and they're like well it it doesn't work great but it it is the way it is and i think that's something that like you and the organizations you do with the podcasts that that you record and and same on our side with touch plan and, and speaking about these things is it's very ironic to me that the the opinion is there and everyone's like yeah i know i know it doesn't go that well but like it is what it is and and I speak to a lot of people on this podcast and I just kind of want to pick your brain about all the things that you hear like just the way it is it's the way the industry is when in the back of their mind they're going this is you know a crap process or, or whatever it may be um do you feel one is it is it more of a struggle implementing new things as a female project manager and two what what kind of things do you roll out in that buy-in? I love how you talked about supporting the trades. So therefore, when you ask them for something, right, it's it's called teamwork. That's like mm-hmm. the definition of it all, right? Kind of right. what have you rolled out in in that realm to to overcome those things, whether it's more difficult for you because who you are or because it's just difficult in this industry. And does it frustrate you like hell, right? When it's just like you get the answer, it's like, well, this is just construction. This is the way it is when we're trying to be innovative and we're trying to make more money and save time and create work-life balance. So I know that was a long-winded way to ask you that, but. No, I think for me, visibility is really key. Um, I'm on my job site more than I think most PMs probably are. 
And I, because I really like being in the field, I don't like being in the office. I'll go to the office to do paperwork if I have to, but I'd rather be in the field uh, just because that's me. I, and we have owners that are on site all day, which is not good, but it is what it is. We can't get them to leave. <laughs> and they're always up in everybody's business. And a lot of times they're going direct to the subs. Hey, change this, do that. And I'm like, whoa, you know, you can't be doing that because then that's when the subs get really frustrated because I've given them or my subs given them a directive. And then, you know, now all of a sudden the boss is coming over and telling them they want something different. So I try to be visible for everyone. I like being there early. I like walking around saying good morning to everybody. I think that's important because it helps them have a little bit more trust in me in the job that I'm doing. Um, I, when I first started, I did have a problem with people calling my boss, who's the owner of our company and just going around me and not even coming to me and asking me things because they didn't think that I would know, or maybe they didn't think I would understand. Maybe they thought I was going to get emotional. I'm not sure what that was about, but my boss called me in one day and he's like, so this happened. And I said, so how do you want to handle that? He said, well, what, how do you want to handle that? And I said, well, when they call you, I think you should say, well, you need to go back to Angela and talk to Angela about that. Why are you calling me? You know, if that was a man on the job site, they would never call me. I'm like, right. That's exactly right. So uh, it's great because he gives me that support that I need. And the more visible I am and the more conversations I'm having, I find that that's going down more and more. So that was, yeah. you know, that's just one one example. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so interesting to me because, you know, so, so historical society tells us that, you know, maybe women can't do something because they're overly emotional or because they're not confrontational or they won't, they won't take a stand. And all three stories you've just told me is that you're coaching men to be less <laughs> angry and overly emotional on a job site. You're standing up for yourself and being confrontational because yeah. you feel things should be done the right way. And it, sure. it's like, it's these misconceptions that we talk about all the time that you didn't even directly speak about, right? But through yeah. through your three stories is, is exactly kind of that complete juxtaposition of the truth and the, the lie, I guess it is, right? Um, but, yeah, there is a misconception and, uh, you know, there's been some women, I, I did a communications course last year with uh, some group coaching online when COVID was going on and that was all there was to do. I just got online and we talked about communication and construction from the woman's perspective because there's a fine balance. Some women go in and they're the heavy hammer, right? They're going to go play it like a man. They're going to go in and they're going to be gruff and they're going to be mean and they're going to be yelling or whatever because I think that that's what they have to do to get things done and also to get respect. And so I really talked to them about that's, you don't have to do that. You do have to show up with a certain amount of confidence and you can't be afraid to stand your ground when you need to, but you don't have to go in so heavy handed. You also should not go in playing it like a, a girl either, right? <laughs> Flirting and getting what you want. Um, because there's certainly women out there that do that as well on the job site and that hurts all of us. So there is that fine balance. And I think anytime that we can break down those barriers and have that understanding. And I think that's what my team knows about me now. They've been around me long enough to know that they can deliver bad news and I don't freak out. I'm usually the coolest head in the room. Um, right but they can also give me feedback. Like uh, there was something I totally missed on the plans one day. It was quite clear right there under my nose and the owner's rep corrected me in a meeting and everybody kind of looked at me. It was a very quiet moment. And I said, well, I guess I missed that. I'm so sorry. Like I just owned it because what can you do? You can't make excuses and, and you can't get upset. And I didn't walk out in tears. It just, Sometimes you miss stuff and that's how it is. So I think it's just a matter of uh, having an awareness of who you are and not trying to overdo it and not trying to underdo it all at the same time. 
Right. And, and kind of the, the things that you said, and I, I mentioned in the beginning, you know, I don't, I don't want to put this all around the lens of, you know, women in construction, because quite honestly, all of the advice that you've given listeners right now, and all the things you talked about are attributes that every leader should have on a job site. Correct. Be able to take ownership, be able to stay level-headed. And I think these are things that because you're you're in the position that you are in the industry that you are, you have to focus more on because there's like less excuses and less leniency. You know, it's like the guy who's been there for 50 years, who's the hard ass and it's, oh, just, you know, it's Bob, you know, that's how Bob does things. And you kind of don't get that leniency. So you do have to focus on that. But beyond that, I think it's important to understand that this is advice that everyone in the, our industry should take as a leader in construction and leading a team, leading a team in general, right? Whether you're in construction technology or not. Um, Absolutely. And that that idea of ownership is is just huge. So thank you for that. That was good advice for everyone. You don't just need to <laughs> focus that lens there. But um, so for everyone who doesn't know, again, and Angela, I will let you just absolutely shamelessly name drop your new podcast because this is a supportive community um but <laughs> tell me tell me a little about that experience what you've learned you know i've learned so much doing this and and continue to have amazing conversations so the floor is yours and i'll let you let you go ahead well uh the name of the podcast is build lead succeed it is the new podcast of the National Association of Women in Construction. They've been trying to get this off the ground for a few years now and just didn't get much traction until Touch Plan came along. And then it was it was on and uh, they approached me. Uh, I'm I've been in NAWIC since 2012. I've been very active, not only on a local level at a local chapter, but also at a regional and a national level. I've held national chair positions and things like that. And I'm not a quiet person and I'm always out there giving my opinion. <laughs> but um, when it came up, I was like, oh, I would love to host that. And then I got a call and um, I was a little nervous at first, like, oh my gosh, what have I done? But for me, because I do know people, I know a lot of women in the industry. Uh, I, I've worked from so many angles, like you said earlier. I just feel like I was the person to take this on because um, I'm open. You know, I want to hear what people have to say. I'm a good listener. And so I just, I, I love the whole idea of it. So we started. Touch Plan has been great so far. Uh, was not sure if I was going to be able to do it but they have been great. And so we've recorded just uh, a podcast and a half, a podcast and a teaser, but we were at the annual conference this past weekend. Kelsey, the producer was with me. Uh, she was a sponsor in the construction zone, which was like the trade show area. And we did these little five minute interviews with as many people as we could find, different people that I knew would have something different to offer, not only from the NAWIC perspective, but the women in construction, because that's what this podcast is about. It's hosted by NAWIC, but it is for women in construction to tell their stories and to get the real stories out there and the, maybe even some controversial topics that need to be talked about, you know, sanitation on the job site and, you know, guys calling a baby on the job site and really get into the meat of all of that. Uh, and everybody's really excited. We've got a lot of people interested in, in getting interviews. So. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a fun adventure to go on. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. I am a very talkative person as well, but one thing that I learned is editing these and listening back to my own voice is probably the worst time of the day for me. Um, I don't know if you have felt that as well. I know you were nervous about some other stuff. We, we spoke before this, but that's exciting. Everyone go listen. Um, it's sitting on some hard hitting topics that need to be talked about. Um, and in that same breath, I guess, you know, what, what would, you say are some of the the things that nobody would think about when it comes to women in construction like you you mentioned sanitation and and things of that nature you know if if we we have you know a lot of time here we don't have to take it all up but 
um, just to enlighten, you know, our listeners as well to things that they wouldn't think about. That's the whole point of this podcast is hearing it from, you know, people's stories and, and what they've experienced and maybe what's an experience that you wouldn't think of was a hardship for women in construction that, that you went through personally. Hmm. For me personally. Or we don't have to get into your personal stories. We can, we can use, no, I, you know, an, an avatar or something of that nature to describe it. Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me really has been um, kind of what I was speaking on these past couple months, just overcoming um, men don't always like to get direction from a woman. And that can be a controversial subject on its own. They don't know how to take it. Um, some do, some are easy going, but some don't. And you know, when you have to go tell somebody, hey, all right, you've been late three times now, I really need you to be here on time every day. And then they get really upset. It's like, well, I didn't yell at you, <laughs> you know? So that's been a little bit of my challenge, but there are um, a, a long list of topics that we have documented that we do want to talk about because I've been listening to other podcasts and it's great to hear stories, right? People love stories, but there's a lot of things that are, are might go on that people didn't expect. Like as an example, one of the titles I came up with was help me, don't judge me. And once you get down into the story, it is about a woman who owns her own company and went to get certified as a WBE and ran into a lot of problems by the certifying authority because she didn't trust that she really owned her own company 100%. Because she was being rather successful, she was really trying to get into some bigger government contracts is what she was trying to do, and she needed this certification. And the ladies that, it was two women actually, they denied her and they flat out told her that you can't be this successful. There must be somebody else that's working behind the scenes. And that's, that's a big subject. And then when we started talking to people, we found out there's more people out there that are dealing with the same thing. I myself got turned down by a certification for the same reason years ago. And the woman that turned me down, again, it was another woman. She told me, she said, well, the problem is we have so much fraud going on with any kind of minority, minority certifications. A lot of men are putting their wives in 51% ownership of their company just so that they can get certified and get these contracts. And so we're very suspicious of that. And I said, but I've given you all of my data. You, I mean, you have crawled through every financial, every incorporated document. I mean, I, I think they even did a PI like investigation. It was crazy, but you still turned me down and they would not, they would not overturn it. So that's one, you know, there's, that's something that you would not think about that's really going on. Right. Just um, un underneath yeah. it all. I mean, and, and part of me, you know, and I'll ask you this kind of more directly, how, how much of, I guess how much of, let's call it what it is, right? The discrimination and, and hardship that, that you see is completely society-based and how much of it is independent to our industry? I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I think it is society-based. Uh, I read a great book, uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, who's one of my favorite people. Uh, and it's a book called Talking to Strangers. And it's about how our social construct, that programming that we get growing up informs the decisions that we make about other people. And it is a fascinating read because he goes back through a lot of famous um, stories in the news over many, many years. And it, it, I think it is very much uh, that than anything else, because these women, you know, came in and maybe they had that experience themselves going back. I don't know, but um, you know, it's it's a hard thing to overcome. Their minds are made up, and they get to make the decisions. So what can you do? Another one uh, I'll give you real quick is 
Don't Call Me Darlin. That's another title. And that was actually from something that happened to me on this job site. Uh, my new super, when he came in, just a really nice guy. And every morning I'd come in and he'd say, hey, darling, how are you? I didn't, it didn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. I noticed it, but I don't care because he's just a nice guy like that. He doesn't mean anything by it. And he and asked me in, one day. In Orlando, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, my, my entire family's from Florida and every male, female in my family calls everyone dark. Yeah, the, yeah. The word of the day for them, but sorry to interrupt. No, it's it's fine. So I had my Nawick sweater on one day and he came in and he's like, so what is that? You, I've seen you wear that a few times. And I told him and he said, well, what do you guys do? I said, we sit around and talk about guys on the job site calling us darling and his eyes got really big and he said, I am so sorry. And I said, no, no, I said, it's fine. I said, I don't tell you that to make you feel bad. I just, it was a funny moment and he, he took it as such, but then he turned around and he looked at me and he said, can I ask you a question? He said, why does that upset women? And I said, well, I think it depends on the woman you're talking to. And I think it depends on the context. It really does. You do have guys on the job site that, you know, cat call women or say things. It's not as much as it used to be, but it's, it's still out there. You know, girl steps onto a job site and they're like, well, all eyes are on her. And I said, and now with Me Too and all of these other things with sexual harassment, there's a tension. And some women just don't even want to hear it out of your mouth they don't care how it was meant and they get very offended so you have to be careful plus with him i told him i said the owners are sitting right there you go calling me sweetheart every day and you get really close you know because you're just a nice friendly guy i got to consider what they're going to think about me on this job site and undermining my authority or anything else so it opened up a really interesting conversation with him which was really cool because he was like, all right, so you don't mind if I do it, but I, I think I'm not going to do it because I don't want anybody thinking, you know, and having any disrespect issues out, you know, in the, in the field. So, you know, that's just another small example. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that he was so curious. He was stumped that that was even an issue. He's like, why, why? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely true. And, and with, you know, the, the enlightenment of me too, and, and all of that information coming out and, and the tension. Um, I, I mean, I find it very interesting that startups, um, like the companies I've, I've worked at in the past and, and the company I work at now are like the, the ones whose culture benefits, like being best friends and, and, being homies and giving hugs and all of that. And I think it's it's true in construction too, mostly because these guys and gals on the job site spend hours and hours together. They go have beers after work together and it's it's a more informal workplace. Um, but that that's not necessarily saying that there aren't lines crossed. And I think your point to communication with everyone that you work with and, and finding, you know, that, that not limit, but that area of comfort or, or how you view it is, is most important throughout all of that. Um, and I kind of just wanted to, to ask you, I know I, I spoke to, to Kelsey and you guys were together a lot and she mentioned that you're doing a lot of programs with young people and the youth and, and we, we spoke about developing that kind of generational bridge between women in construction and how how to view these and how to approach the industry are you doing it at a high school age at a middle school age at college or or is it focused purely on on women going into the industry tell me a little about what you do with the kiddos me personally i i do a lot with professional women emerging professionals advancing professionals things like that um but NAWIC has a, does a lot of education and because I'm involved, I get involved that way. We mm -hmm. do a lot with 
uh, opening up conversations with young people to let them know that construction is a very lucrative path. It's a, it's a great career to have. Just because you don't want to go to college does not mean you're going to be a loser. You can make a lot of money and you can have a lot of pride and a great career in construction. And so we go into the schools and um, Maywick has an education foundation. So uh, they've got some programs like they have a, a building block competition, Legos. We're not really allowed to call it that, but um, you know, we give these kids a hundred blo uh, building blocks, uh, a piece of foil, a string and a rock. And we ha have a contest by age group and they have to build something with those Legos. And then we judge them. And they, it's so great to hear a second grader tell you the story of why they just built this bridge out of Legos. It's just, it's a really neat thing, but it gets them thinking. So kind of to play that out for you, we also have a a CAD drafting competition that we do for high school kids. And this is boys and girls. This is not all geared towards girls. Um, they, we give them a problem. We usually work with the schools and the teacher sets a problem and then they go through the whole process. They're making plans and then we judge at the end of the period. And they go on to regional and national competition, these kids. Um, we had a girl join our local chapter a few weeks back. She's now a young woman. She's not a girl. And she said she got up to be inducted as a member. And we were asking a little bit about her. And she said, I was a CAD draft winner six years ago and went on to be a scholarship recipient from NAWIC because we have a scholarship program. And it just inspired me to work in construction. And here she was working at a GC and just happened to join our chapter. We didn't even know that story about her until she came that night. So that planted seeds a long time ago for her and she just kept going and she absolutely loves it. So we do that. Um, I'm also involved with another nonprofit called I Build Central Florida. They train um, people in the trades. So they teach young people. They give them resources and tools how to get into the trades and they have an apprenticeship program and things like that. They do a program called Classroom Connections where GCs and subcontractors who are the members of this nonprofit, they go into the schools and they just talk to the kids about what they do every day and how they got to where they are. And that's very powerful. They also take the guidance counselors on field trips to job sites and have apprentice kids that are in apprenticeships come and talk to these guidance counselors about how they got into that. And that is very powerful because now you have all these guidance counselors, which they're not called that anymore, uh, I guess they're CTEs. Uh, they, when they're talking to a young person that's just not sure which direction they wanna go, but they don't think they wanna go to college, they now have a resource to put in that that person's hand and say, hi, hey, we'll try this. There's this program, there's this training, there's this apprenticeship. So any way that we can get more people into the trades is important, right? That's a such a yep. big thing right now. So I just, I love that part of it. Anytime that you can help young people find a path. I didn't have a path when I was young. I just started working. So I kind of think of myself back then. If I had had somebody put that resource into my hand, you know, I might've gone a different path. I mean, I like the path that I've been on. It's worked out great, but you see what I'm saying. So that's just why I like to get involved in stuff like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great too. I, I, I love the story of the young woman coming in from a GC and, and joining um, one of your chapters. And, and that's really why I asked because you, you see those 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 missions and things like STEM, you know, women in STEM and, and science yes. and doing all of these things and, and developing. And we see that a lot in the startup industry is, you know, um, female developers being kind of offered offered a path at a young age that didn't know we're there. And in our industry, especially on the trade side, there's a social norm of, you know, women don't know how to use hammers. They don't know how to do hard labor and things of that nature. So I just, I wanted to hear how you kind of viewed that and, and what programs were out there um, 
for for people that wanted to be badass and and go learn how to be a welder yeah. or something to learn the trades. Yeah, and women love to learn that stuff. It's amazing. We did an event several years ago where it was Women in Construction Week, and you know we're always trying to figure out fun things to do. We decided to have a forklift certification class. We filled the class, like, and we had yeah. a waiting list. Women were signing up to take it that don't even work with a forklift. They just wanted to know how to use it. And they thought that that was really cool. And so there's always a lot of interest. And there is so many jobs that touch construction, like you said, STEM, um, you know, engineering, architecture, uh, even the suppliers, the trucking companies, uh, you know, Kelsey, the other day, she was like, I didn't even think I could be a member because I work for, you know, um, touch plan. And I, she goes, and I'm into marketing. I'm like, yeah, but you work in marketing for construction software. So you absolutely can be a member. That's how it works. If you touch construction, you know, you have a group that's here to support you. And that was what the young woman said at that meeting the other night. She came because she was the only woman on her job. And she felt like she just needed the support to help her know that she wasn't alone and she had somebody to talk to about anything, you know, if she needed some help with something. So Yeah, I love that. Take over. It's a nice it's circle I of mean, life. Listen, it's all about the balance, right? It's right, there's room it's for all, all I think. I mean, the the more and more you talk about it and the 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 way that you interacted, I mean, I kept thinking to myself, and it, it might be through through having a very um, strong woman as, as an influence and a mother in my life, but hell, I promise you, I would, I would listen to a strong female on the job site before I listen to someone else, but that's my personality <laughs> and not everyone's. Um, but I mean, yeah, we, we've spoken a lot. I'm, I'm super excited to have you in the podcast family. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see kind of what comes of that and, and give all those episodes a listen and, and tie it, tie it back in the future. You know, if there's an amazing person that we want to collab with, that would, that would be awesome. But, yeah, um, that would be good. one thing, you know, I just can, we can touch on, and I, I know I've taken a lot of your time here before we go is, um, we talk a lot about work-life balance and, um, you know, spending a ton of time, you know, people in construction wake up at 4 a.m. and they're on site at 5 a.m. And and I, I've, I've only spoken to men about work-life balance on this podcast. Um, and because of societal norms or because of, you know, having children or things of that nature, um, I'd love to hear, you know, your experience with other stories and, and women and how they deal with a work-life balance in construction, um, whether it's having kids or not having kids or whatever it may be, um, kind of what are the some of the things that you see that negatively affect the work-life balance within um, the industry and then some of the things that you do to, to cope with it and to counteract and have a, a positive mental health at all times? Yeah, I think it is about balance and finding um, um, finding a way to make it all work because there's a lot of ambitious people out there um, that want to do it all um, from the female perspective. You know, we've got kids, we got houses, we got significant others, we've got uh, so many things going on. Women are traditionally the you know caretakers, uh, which is none of us are unhappy about. We all love that. But for me, I had a young, I had a teenager when I started my company, and I had to just shut it off at the end of the day. You know, I had to draw a line in the sand. I was building a business in construction, and so I just made an agreement that I would just come six o'clock every day it was time to close the door and cook dinner and have conversation and do bedtime and the whole thing um and also find time for self-care um when i first joined nawick and i jumped in and i got so busy i put way too much on my plate i was never home and i had to find a way to say no that was very important women always want to say yes 
because in construction too, there's that element that we want to prove ourselves, that we do belong, that we should be at, you know, on the job site or at the table or in the office or in the boardroom, whatever it is, it goes on. So we're willing to compromise ourselves a bit to be able to, um, to get that, but there's a limit. And I certainly learned my lesson with that limit and it costs me, but looking back, um, things needed to happen the way that they did. And now I know better. I can do things for myself and still be there for my family and, um, still my, still do my job really well. So right. I think that's one of the better things I've seen it go wrong when you, you just work 80 hours and you got nothing left. And like men, especially a lot of men, because traditionally, right, they're the providers, they feel like they've got to do that because that's their job. And even though they would rather be home and maybe they have somebody at home that's like, you need to come home earlier. I've been that person, <laughs> uh, you know, and I got the answer. It's like, but this is my job. I'm taking care of you because I work this many hours. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you work to live and not the other way around, right? So there always has to be that line and there always has to be a way to be able to have the time that you need and enjoy your life and still be good at your career. Right. And I mean, it's the same from what you said, right? Earlier in the conversation, you said, well, I'm just on site more than everyone else. And I, I feel like society dictates this to women, right? And in every movie you've ever seen about a successful woman, she's just this tyrant that wakes up at 5 a.m. And that's how she became successful because she doesn't end work till 10 p.m. And like, that's true in some sense because there are barriers and hurdles that are unique to you that you have to get over. But it's definitely important to understand that you can't do good work if you don't have that balance. And even if you're there more than everyone else and showing your face more than everyone else, it, it won't necessarily make you more successful or, or overcome those barriers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very fortunate where I work. Um, my friends that are also project managers, some of them are like, I can't believe you're only working that many hours. And I said, well, you know, I can get my work done. And my bosses are like, great, if you get your job done, go home at four o'clock every day. So I go home at four o'clock every day and then I can have the rest of my time to do podcasts and coaching. And I can, you know, I can still give my time for the things that, you know, fuel my passion and my purpose, but I can still do what I'm good at and, you know, and do that as well. So I can, can make it all work, but it took me a lot of years to realize how I could make that all work. And that it just takes prioritization, a little good time management is always good for the soul. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of support, you know, reaching out and having a great network. You know, this is for everyone, not just women. Everybody needs a good network and good support. And I think that that's really key.